we're going to have a grab bag of Mike's brain. Keith watches horror from 2006 and our weekly rad. And now your host, Mike Indeglio. What is up, team? I'm wearing that same flannel. Welcome to K&M <laughs> Geekly. Just a sneak peek at two geeks talking about some of the things, getting them through their week. That is just a classic. Uh, remember, the guy? that guy's name was The Harbinger, Keith, which I think is apropos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, As a harbinger, mm-hmm. as you know, the guy at the beginning of every spooky spooky that tells you to uh, not go down that road. But of course, mm-hmm. we're here, folks, and we're going down that road. We're going yeah. down that road because it's a, it is a rainy Monday. Neither of us wants to be operational, but we know that you need some help getting you through your week. So we're here with some recommendations and with some positive vibes. I'm joined, <laughs> as always, by my co-host, Keith Varney. Keith, how are you doing this week, early this week? I'm doing okay early this week. I've been, uh, you know, been busy, busy, busy as mm-hmm. I as I typically like to be. Um, and uh, you know, thoughts out. Poor uh, poor Pretzel is is under the knife at this very moment. She's fine. She's just getting a uh, like an abscess in her mouth extracted. Oh, yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's not something you can do without anesthesia. Anesthesia. So technically, she is in surgery, but she's going to be fine. So. Uh, Everybody, send a good thought to, for our good friend. Uh, I only hope that I live long enough to get to your house again, so I can meet Pretzel in the flesh. I feel like Pretzel's my have own. Have you never flesh met? Life. No, me and Pretzel have never cohabitated. That's crazy. The same space. Yeah, I know. My little Cece is going in for her doctor's appointment today. In more cat news, uh, we were going to take her last week, Keith. But you know that feeling when you're like, I don't feel like doing this, so you just reschedule. That's what we did. That, so that's your uh-huh. cat, that's your cat content. So yeah, this week, as Keith said, I've been busy. Uh, I myself am like uh, cramming for a bunch of stuff. We're finishing up, trying to do a lot of judging for the Brooklyn Sci-Fi Film Festival. Trying oh, to right, learn. I still have one more to do. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple. I got to learn. I'm trying to learn a bunch of music for this this couple of days. I'm going away. Uh, CEO Jen is getting ready for a Wait, show. What are you doing? That cruise show that I'm on again, off again with, not Schmerzy Schmoys, but like the pop one that I keep being like, I'm not doing that. And then I get asked. Oh my to God. The the saga, the number of times yeah. you have been in and out of that cruise gig, it should be pregnant by this point. Yeah. Well, uh, not at my age. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so it's been, there hasn't been a lot of specific watching. I will say my wife and I have been keeping up with Big Brother, which is like a guilty pleasure of mine. It's a great season if you're into Big Brother or reality TV, which you should get into because it's all that's going to be f- playing this fall. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. Jeopardy is back, but they're doing it in a weird way. A lot of shows are coming back or saying they're going to come back. be, and yeah. are regretting it immediately, it's, it's as a lot they of, should. What we're learning now is, I actually wasn't planning on talking about this, but it's interesting. You know, there was a Drew Barrymore saga where she was going to come back without writers so she could help her staff, but then it turns out that pissed people off, people, Keith, because... Uh, if you're rich, you could probably pay yourself. There's other ways to go about it other than forcing some people then to breaking fake scab. The strike. Yeah. Then yeah. full out breaking the strike. Yes. Well, there are here's, other ways. here's the thing that is an interesting conversation. I don't have any answers. I'm just I'm just going to point out some gray area. Is that you know there when it comes to the multiple unions there are and the multiple different rules and who's covered under what and that there's you know the the specifics of different things. There are loopholes that can be looped, right? And 
for a while there was an argument with this with this Drew Barrymore thing that they weren't actually it was a different union so they weren't actually breaking the strike if they weren't using if she was just winging it and different stuff and so you could make the argument and they tried for a while that she wasn't actually breaking the strike but in reality she was not showing solidarity uh, well i mean it, it's it's can you or should you and which are which are two different questions i mean technically yes but if you are actually in support of what is being struck for, you should not be doing that. Well, Keith, this brings up an interesting point that I was feeling at the time and I chose not to kind of get into the weeds about it, but here's the thing. A lot of people in my circle, at least, I feel like are a little goose and gander about this because you'll remember, you'll recall low a few months ago when the Tonys shouldn't have, it was a struck, situation and should not have been should not have been employed but if we just don't use the writers we have to have the mm. tonys because these people we the shows will close if we don't have the tonys it's a big we need the tonys so it's okay if we do it and just wing it but because we played the loophole we played the gray area we got hey we, they the, the unions wrote us a they gave us a letter they gave us a sick note keith it's cool but is it cool so we're well, getting into the area now where the gray area and the loopholes, is it cool? I, 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 think it, I think that's a very excellent point. And I think the arbiter of that needs to be the union. The union yeah. didn't say, go ahead, Drew Barrymore, like they did with the Tonys, because Drew Barrymore was only benefiting CBS or whatever company owns her, who they're striking against, and uh, and so as opposed to with the Tonys, there was many more, many more people... Uh, affected by that and the companies that they are striking against weren't making money off of the Tonys in the way that they are with the Drew Barrymore show. So that is, so I think you've made a very good point, but I do think there is a distinction and a difference in that situation. Yeah. I, I don't know that the union should be the arbiter, to be honest with you. I think it's, I, I think it, if, and I'm actually in, am in much more in favor of a much more black and white kind of approach to this. If, if, if we start handing out waivers, if I think if media basically shuts down, that's the only way to get, these are multi-billion dollar companies who have shown a, a proclivity to be like, yo, will reality TV it? Josh Dumel will come up with some different barn games and we will have reality TV forever if we don't shut this down. You know, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Can if <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, wait, can, can we be shut down? Can the union tell us to stop? The union, the union is one of the 56 downloads. <laughs> no, um, my point is only that you're going to start to see Drew Barrymore is a speaking of harbinger is a harbinger of because look, it's so weird, right? Like the the late night hosts. So what they decided to do is they're going to do a podcast. A, a, a sausage party podcast where they are going to mm-hmm. they're, they're going to take the proceeds from that da- the downloads and pay their staffs and blah 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 right um but people there will be problems with that there's going to be problems we are entering the phase where it's the unknown and i i i think i don't well, know i i mean i i guess you know in terms of letting the union itself decide I think that is the right way to go about it personally, because the, the people who are being wronged, people who are being marginalized, the people who need our assistance, they get to determine how we assist them, mm-hmm. right? I, don't, I, as benevolent white dude, don't get to tell a marginalized society, oh, let me, let me help you. I know what's best as a way to help you. I'm going to let them tell me how I can assist them. Yeah, and I think that is the right way to handle it. It's still it. nuanced, though, because you've got 
you know, what is not struck currently are these reality TV shows because they're under a different kind of situation, but they still employ writers, a ton of writers on these shows who are yeah. not scabbing, but they are and, – and and God bless. You got to work. You got to work. You got to feed your family. I, I, I don't know the answer, but it's still – it's a very it's a hair's line of I well I I agree with you and I and I think the I I think the WGA and the should probably say it should you know should probably draw that line because because you're 100% right like we are headed into we are running out of the scripted stuff we had in the can there are movie studios which have decided to just give the give the the uh, DGA or whatever it is exactly what they want, which I think is super positive. Mm-hmm. Um, be you know, like I I get it. Like there's some people pushing back on it, but I think it puts pressures. Like, hey, we can make a profit yeah. giving people exactly what they want. I think that that pushes us in the right direction. Um, but yeah, we're we're I mean that like CBS is now just airing stuff that was on Paramount Plus exclusively now on CBS to fill hours. I think that's kind of that's like gonna Jeopardy's happen. I, back with, but Mayim's out. But but Ken is hosting. But they're only doing tournaments and using questions that had been written prior to the strike because they have thousands, Bob, thousands upon thousands. Of questions. Right, which which I I don't think they should be doing. I, yeah, I, I think right. I, I think that that works against the against the concept of the of the strike for sure. Um, and and yeah, I mean, and it's I, I think one of the things that is diff is going to make it difficult. Um, for our side in this is all of the streaming exclusive content that's out there. Like Yellowstone is now airing. Strange New Worlds is now mm-hmm. airing on CBS. That they have a at least the the broadcast networks, you know, who are big. You know, it does not help the film studios, but they're going to start re-releasing stuff in theaters. And the the broadcast networks are just airing stuff that they had exclusively streaming and hitting a much bigger audience. So they. Because of the world, the streaming world, where stuff is so splintered everywhere, um, they have a lot more of a library to pull from that is new to the vast mm-hmm. majority of people out there. And so that is going to help them prolong yeah, the strike, I mean, which is hard. Uh, to broad brush it, basically the the tools at the disposal of the union, right, the, the, the counter-offensive tools that the unions have are very much pre-new media landscape, right? Yeah. Like, as you said, there's so much content that can be repackaged and repaired. And 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 what the general consumer has proven is they don't give a crap. Like, they they just no. need content to feed their their faces. Um, I'd be interested to see the gajillions of dollars Google will make now, too, through YouTube and your, and your Facebook. That's why you're seeing all this that short-form content is just... Anyway, that's... Well, you know, that's part of what's been in my brain, Keith, is just the, this is the fall. I generally love the fall because you get all the new shows, you get to see the pilots, you get to see stuff, and it's just different now. We, we watched Jeopardy last night, and they're, Keith, they're doing, the tournament they're doing on Jeopardy is called like a second chance tournament. They're just taking people who lost. <laughs> it's losers who are, they're doing like a 30-week a, a uh, tournament about of Jeopardy losers. It's just like, wow, where are we? Yeah, well, I mean, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, like, like it's it's I and I and I agree with you with all these reality shows. Like, I I agree that 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 should be shut down too. Now it's it's hard to do because yeah, they're yeah. not under union jurisdiction either as writers or as performers, right? Because they are performers, no matter what you say. Reality, but I th- I think like 
you mentioned Josh Duhamel, like the people hosting it, there should be some pushback. I I think that you know these celebrity hosts. Yeah, I don't know if if there shouldn't be a price to pay. Now, theatrically is a little different, but also the the fact that you know actors and people that are participating in the strike are not doing press junkets and stuff but like press junkets i don't you don't i don't really see like entertainment tonight or those like entertainment magazines being a thing much anymore maybe it's just i don't consume that content but i don't feel like that's really anyways losing money because because harrison ford didn't go out and do an indie junket you know what i mean right no it's yeah it's it's not it's not that you know like it those things are cut up and put into 30 second tiktok clips like mm-hmm. that probably is beneficial but yeah like all of these things that are benefiting these large companies all the le- you know at this point with the sort of existential threat to this entire business all points of leverage need to be leveraged um because you're right these are billion dollar companies they can hold out they don't care mm-hmm. um and they they have the financial means to hold out much longer than the writers and actors do, um, so this is this is sort of the last stand. So it's time to time to you know circle your horses. All right. So amongst all right. amongst all of that, we have been consuming a little bit of content, and I had a couple of experiences I want to talk about in Weekly Geekly or Weekly Rad. I don't know why I called it that, but uh, so let's just jump right in, Keith. First thing I want to talk about: two things I checked out. You know what never goes away is I don't know why we disappeared. Let's try again. Oh, Netflix is always there for us, and even though they're Netflix, they are the bad guy. Yeah, Netflix in is the this bad guy. streaming world. Um, but I will say that so you know Netflix is always turning out some sort of new documentary, and sometimes uh, sometimes they're okay, but more times than not they've been bad lately. Uh, but I'd like to highlight when they're good. Uh, so we get a little bit of both this world, and I just want to quickly point out two things. Uh, one is on your right there. You're going to see. Um, it's a show that I adore on Netflix. I always have. Um, I think I've mentioned it before, so I'll just be brief about it. I am petrified of prison, but it, but also because I'm petrified of it, it, it fascinates me. And so this is a show uh, by Emporium Productions. The executive producers Emma Reed. Uh, they list a bunch of producers. I don't see any writers listed, of course. That's funny. Uh, anyway, what is the guy's... What was the host's name? Oh, I'm t- oh, Raphael Rowe is his name. Uh, he was in prison for 12 years, falsely convicted, and now he's got a show where he goes around to all these different prisons across the world. Most of the content, prison content you see on uh, prison content, on like E or different shows, are, are, are inside of American prisons. They, they follow inmates at American prisons and like what it's like at these generally terrible American prisons. However, this is more interesting because it goes to all kinds of rehabilitation centers and prisons, good, bad, in between, very bad, evil, all kinds, every category, uh, around the world. Uh, And season seven just released on Netflix, and every episode I've ever watched of this has been exquisite. Uh, This guy is very respectful. He gets to know some of the inmates. He gets to learn these prisons inside out. And uh, shocker, Keith... There are some really effective rehabilitative prisons around the world that is in America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to say that part. Yeah. We knew it wasn't here. Yeah. Uh, that said, a lot of those are under authoritarian. Help me. Authoritarian. Yes, regimes. I got you. And so, yeah, under the fear of like you know death or. Iso- total isolation for years on end uh, is pretty good. You can change some people's behavior. 
So I'm not I'm not trying to say any of those are better. Although there are some there are some like uh, Norwegian prisons that are Scandinavian. Really, Scandinavian yeah, is really in, interesting. Quite good. Anyhow, yeah. season seven is available now. If you never checked that show out, you should you should check it out. It's really good. On the left, something brand new, brand new to the Netflix uh, rotation, Spy Ops, Keith. They follow uh, a bunch of undercover CIA-led spy agencies, like like the 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 the, the Get Bin Laden right after 9/11 op. The there's a ton of them. I watched the first two. And unfortunately, this one is a. I was so into it because I re, I love these types of stories. I'm into spy spy games. I want you get it. They do a lot of first person interviews with with people and their code names who are no longer in the business, so they can be talking on camera. But they do that thing where instead of just letting the stories talk for themselves, net, the Netflix producers, people, whoever's doing this one, I, I, I'm putting them on blast, so I won't even mention the production company. It's like crappy there's not even good b-roll it's just like reenactments of people's hands and like walk a shadow walking across just show me the interview we don't need unless it's good or effective i find that the tropes to be reenactments are so like 90s like cheap yeah like tv stuff if you're gonna do something clever like like when that that michael j fox one not so long ago on apple tv still all the B-roll they used was was just scenes from his movies, which right, played right. into the context. So it worked. It, first, look, it's subjective, but this did not work for me, and it sucks because I'm interested in these types of stories. You're much better off just watching stuff on the History Channel. They at least have B-roll that is seems like documentary ev- evidence. Anyway, so uh, swing and a miss on Spy Ops, but Inside the World's season, Toughest Prisons, season two, Rocking and rolling. So there is some stuff uh, pretty good on the, on the flicks. Keith, talk to me. Uh, let's take a time <laughs> machine back. It's spooky season. Uh, mm-hmm, lots mm-hmm. of good stuff coming. There's an Agatha Christie in spooky in the uh, haunted something in theaters. You've got Talk to Me, which was like my movie of the year so far it, on streaming. But Keith, you went to the well <laughs> <laughs> and you checked out. Uh, a 2006 joint that I have not seen <laughs> called Teristas. Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, I think this is such a good like encapsulation <laughs> of the way I consume media and the way Mike consumes media. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> because Mike's like, oh my God, this thing's been out for half an hour. Have you not seen it yet? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, just like scrolling through like, oh, that's an interesting poster. Like the thing I don't care about. So, uh, Anyway, so obviously it's it it is spooky season. So uh, Jillian's been chain watching horror movies for two months now. Uh, but you know, I just came in. I was like, we I cooked some dinner and we sat down to eat, and we're like, oh, I saw on Hulu there was like they were they were pushing this movie that had a like a, a screenshot of somebody like in an underwater cave, right? For me, horror, scary yeah. stuff, caving underwater, caving. Um, one of my all-time favorite uh, horror movies, all-time scariest horror movie I, I've ever seen the is Abyss? The Descent. Oh, the, well, The Abyss, for yeah. sure. Uh, but The Descent, which I saw in the theaters, which came out around this time. Um, so I'm like, yes, underwater caving, you have got me. So I don't know anything about the movie. I don't know anything. I've I never even heard of it made. until you said this morning. So Yeah, well, uh, so this is not, 2006 
Touristas, which uh, if you're if you're paying uh, I think attention we were, home, I think we were roommates at this juncture, Keith. We were probably roommates at this point. Um, it's rated five point four out of ten on IMDb. If you're wondering, uh, and but I do think a couple of interesting things about this movie. One, is it bad? Oh yeah, no, for sure it's bad. Um, but it does have a bunch of people before they were Olivia Wilde before she was famous, Melissa George, Josh Duhamel, who we just mentioned is sort of the ostensible lead in it. And, um, it takes place in this very interesting time in horror film, which was the first, like the middle third of the two thousands, right? This is, 2006, so 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, that sort of era had a this weird horror concept where we got really like gritty and tough and unrated and and like and whatever we had like the the Hills Have Eyes revival, we had yeah. um, the Saw Come movies came me. out at that point. And, There's and another so Saw. Was, I just saw the trailer for the next Saw. Oof, forever. Uh, but they, but it was really hot for a second to do these like, oh, I can't believe how horrible this is. Torture porn. Movies, which sort of torture porn stuff. Yeah. And stuff by today's standards aren't really particularly that horrible considering what ends up like what they show on Walking Dead is a thousand times right. more gruesome than any of these things. But it was very shocking for the time. And we were as a culture we were kind of in a dark place. And I, I, I've i talked about this a little bit, um, watching comedy from this point. The mm. comedy was a little meaner. The yeah. comedy does not hold up very well today because it's pretty mean-spirited, offensive, um, and not in a like funny and thoughtful way, just sort of casually mean kind of a way. I think, out of the context, this is five years after 9-11. This is in the middle of the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. We're kind of torn apart, and we're kind of in a bad mood, right? We're kind of in a in a part of a mean place. However, this movie ostensibly is a, like, if you go to Brazil, you will be captured, and we're going to harvest your organs, right? Not a great depiction of Brazil. Uh, Brazilians, I, I think, are not a fan of this movie, understandably. Uh, however... Let me talk about the good things about this movie that I actually did enjoy enough to talk about it. Poster's cool. Um, the, the the posters posters fine, but it was shot in Brazil, so it it looks really cool because it's all there on location. Um, the cast is better than have have any right to be in this movie, right? And while the actual there isn't really much of a story, it's just sort of sadistic and misogynistic and sort of like whatever right it's it's not it does not depict too gruesome for theaters yeah but it's really not uh not by today's standards i'll tell you that anyway the gruesome part is not even the interesting part whatsoever what i actually the redeeming feature of this film is the finale Mm. which takes place in an underwater cave system josh dumel (laughs) yes i I said that he's a geekly he's a geekly uh feature this week yeah, I know. We're going we're gonna to take him down on two different of his <laughs> different projects. Yeah, so, but the finale of this takes place in an underwater cave system where they're being chased by the bad guy and they're having to, like, pop up in little air pockets oh, through these cool. underwater caves, which was terrifying and apparently just brutal to film. Like, Olivia Wilde, like, almost died. Um, but 
as a finale of having to like go in and like suck little bits of air out of the bottom yeah. of the cave pockets, such a great finale uh-huh. for such a terrible movie. Um, so anyway, uh, it's there on it's there on Hulu. Yeah, well, we should shout out and credit dire- uh, director John Stockwell and writer uh, Michael Arian Ross. Arlen Ross, yes, and uh, John Stockwell, the actor who has. Uh, he, he was in Top Gun mm-hmm. and has uh, done very many terrible movies. But I gotta say, the uh, the like the, the last twenty minutes of this movie actually pretty fun. So um, usually, if you can stick the landing in a horror film, it, it, it's worth a watch. Maybe. I mean, if you like that sort of a thing, uh-huh. I mean, like we begin with like like just like hot white people on the beach. You know, there's a lot more promise. There's going to be more toplessness than there is. There is oh, some, but not anywhere near as much as as one of the posters would 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 lead you to believe. And then some, just like sort of boring horror in the middle of it. But the ending was really fun. So, it, look, am I recommending it? No, it's a five point four out of ten on IMDb, and it deserves it. But if you uh, if you really like that spelunking horror, eh, check out the end. Okay, there you go. A uh, uh, well, uh, a thumbs chopped off. Uh, two <laughs> thumbs, thumbs chopped up. off from Keith for Teristas. Thumbs slowly drowning yeah. in an underwater cave. Um, cool. So, interestingly, I watched a show, my favorite thing I consumed this week that I couldn't wait to highlight was a mindless YouTube scru- scrub. I was just like scrubbing through YouTube videos before bed and came across this documentary uh, which which found its way onto YouTube. I, I, to be to be honest with you, I'm not sure if this is. It looked high def, so I think they just released it on YouTube for free at this point. Um, it is. Let me pull it up here. Called Happy Happy Joy Joy: The Ren and Stimpy Story. It is hmm. a 2020 documentary, which was a uh, festival darling. I had not heard of it up to this point. Um, it is. Uh, Directed by Ron Chicaro and Kimo Easterwood, written by Ron Chicaro, produced by Ron Chicaro, uh, and it follows the rise and fall of the sh- surprisingly short-lived but felt like much longer because of its cultural impact of uh, the Ren and Stimpy show, which was originally conceived and and drawn by John Crickfalsy, Crickfalsy, Crickfalusi, John K. <laughs> I only knew from because I also I loved the show. I should mention it was a '90s Nickelodeon joint, and I also collected the comics back in the day. I used to love. I loved the art because mm. it was grotesque in the best of ways. Right? It was uh, if you remember Ren and Stimpy, it was it was very much an abstract emotion based cartoon. It was. Yeah, about- it was. It, I never saw it because you know, re never having cable. Uh, but it it was culturally very impactful. Like, I was very much aware of Ren and Stimpy at that time. Well, what I didn't know, and this documentary really filled, informed me, because I was like 12 years old when this started, came up, so you don't really look into the the making of and the artists and what's happening. You just know that this is something different. This is not like the other cartoons I was watching. And it was during like a, a very much, I, I forget her name, and I, I feel crappy for not having it written down, but there were the 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 executive in charge of Nickelodeon animation at the time was this woman. And she just, she didn't pay any mind to market research, to testing, to Mm. demo. She was going on pure gut, pure gut. And her gut brought us 
Ren and Stimpy, Doug, Rugrats. I mean, the the peak of Nickelodeon, and and it, it spoke to kids, or kids our age or younger kids at that time before Nick Jr. You know, like a like your your six to twelve to thirteen year old kids, mm-hmm. like we were we like we were kids. And what Ren and Stimpy did, which I couldn't articulate at the time, but this documentary goes into and, and is very right. It talked about rage. It talked about emotions mm. that were so strong that you couldn't, they needed to be articulated. And these characters were aggressive towards one another. You had you had Stimpy who just took this abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, which is, you know, maybe not something we want to show our kids. But at the same time, that was something a lot of kids were watching with their parents or dealing with themselves about. And Ren just had this unbridled rage that he couldn't deal with which came out in crazy different ways, but they also had this friendship and this love. It's it's bizarre, but you come to learn this John Crick Falusi guy is kind of a bizarre dude. And he, people fell in love with his work and with his art style. And so they came to work, flocked to work for him because all of a sudden they had to put this show together and they had to release it and it takes forever to release animation. Uh, yeah. And so they were like, sort of like the uh, bad boys of, of cartoon, much like that first season of Saturday Night Live is heralded for being these just like the 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 cream of the crop of their time, all thrown into a room together, make a thing. That's what was right. here. It was like the the rock stars of new young animators, all of a sudden, all working together in a room, behaving badly, doing crazy crap, releasing this show. Who knew it could be a bit toxic and implode on itself? Uh, so. <laughs> What? Yeah. So that's what <laughs> that this, sounds like such a healthy room to be in. But this documentary has talks to all of them. Everybody gets a say. Everybody gets to mm. talk about it. The guy, John Kay, he is not uh he is not uneducated on his faults and how he was just like, look, it is what it, I am, what I am, it is what it is. It's it's fascinating. It's really well done. It's has reverence for the show, but it doesn't pull any punches. It's really great. If you loved Ren and Stimpy, if you even have a tangential passing interest in it, if you were just a kid of that of that age, check this out. It's it's on YouTube for free. So you can check out Happy Happy Joy Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story. Hot double thumbs up from Mike, both reattached after they were severed in Keith's review. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was like a, just a hidden gem of the week. And the other hidden gem I'm going to talk about in Weekly Rad. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump to that, Keith. What yeah. is your Weekly Rad? Well, my weekly rad is I, 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 uh, I, as I mentioned, I think last week I went to I went to Six Flags yeah. for the first time. I'm so jealous here in New Jersey. Well, you know, you got to come sometime and go together. Yeah. Uh, okay, so a couple of things I learned about I've never been to Six Flags in New Jersey. Um, my ex-wife got me a season pass uh, to uh, uh, to go, and so we went on Monday and for our Friday Monday. No, it was Monday. I forgot what day I want. Was it Monday? I, whatever. Doesn't matter. Monday. The point is, uh, it's Monday. Know. Friday? Friday. Uh, the, the point is, I thought I was worried that it was going to be mobbed no matter what, because mm-hmm. it's like the big one in New Jersey. Uh, the kids no, are back in school, go, buddy. Going on a Monday in September, it is a ghost town. That's great. Um, which was fabulous, because like that's exactly what I want. Um, it, it does mean that like only about 60% of the... Uh, Rides and coasters are actually running. Oh, really? Um, Maintenance? Yeah. 
maintenance, whatever. It's, mm -hmm. There's not, they're, they're definitely losing money that day. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was super fun to go. I haven't been to an amusement park in a long time. I really enjoy them. Um, I had to basically have to go there when you're over 40, when you go to an amusement park, it's best to get the season pass because your at least for me, my stamina for roller coasters is very small these days. I love them. I love them so much, but my goodness, like I'm like, oh God, after like four or five of them, like, I think I'm done for the day. Maybe we're just here for like an hour and a half, two hours, and then we'll come back later. Uh, and uh, refill my coaster stamina, uh, but we uh, we we had a had a really good time. Went on some crazy stuff. What's the high? What was the highlight? What's the what's the what was your biggest your your most fun thing? Well, I think um, like the biggest poster poster coaster we went on. We went on the Medusa, which was really fun. It's um, do, do you like coasters? Oh, I'm a huge fan. I I I am blessed. The one thing my old age has blessed me with is that. I can't stand up too fast. I can't sit down too fast. I mm. can't spin around in this chair without vomiting. But for some reason, roller coasters, no matter how violent or jostling, do not trigger any of my motion sickness. Somehow, really? it's oh, a magical so little air bubble, Keith, like in your end of your your scary movie that I'm sitting in. I don't know when that shoe is going to drop, but I can go on roller coasters back to back all day long, and it does not bother me. Oh. So uh, yes, the short answer is yes. I've always wanted. I remember to. that from my twenties, but yeah, I mean, uh, I the the big one was not was not running Steel the one force. That, the, I, I forget what it was called, but it's like the straight up and down up, one. Straight up and down Steel one. Force, yeah. It goes, yeah. Ha, have you done that one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely, that one's going to be fun. I think that I can't. I I you know I don't mind speed. I don't mind drops. It's being jostled. Mm. So wooden roller coasters loops. are not so much for you. Wooden roller coasters, yeah, yeah. I'm not a not a huge fan of the wooden coasters. Um, it, the, you know, the worst coaster I've ever been on is uh, the one in Coney Island. Oh, the, the cyclone. The cyclone. Coney Island, folks, is a hell pit. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Well, look, it's a it's a beach thing. You know, like it, they're always bad there. But the cyclone is so old, yeah. like it was just manufactured. Like physics, what are physics? And so it's not even that big of a coaster, but that'll kick your butt. Yeah, so uh, I, I I enjoyed that. It's it's great. It's less than an hour away. I can just hop in and yeah, off whenever cool, I man. want. So cool. we'll, we'll have we'll have to. I mean, it's a little rundown. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not. I, I expected it to be a little shinier than it was. Well, we've got Hershey Park fun. out here in Philadelphia, which is an amazing theme park, and the second cleanest theme park next to a Disney park that I've ever been to. Really? We also have Knobles Grove, which is like a hidden gem theme park, uh, which has one of the oldest roller coasters. It's a free skate roller coaster. So it's one of the original designs that is like not conjoined. It's like- Oh, like like the, the toboggan-y kind yeah. of one? Oh, uh, I'd love to go on Really cool stuff over here. So we should, yeah, we should absolutely plan something like that. We should definitely go. I'm a huge like log flume guy. Uh, but neither of the water rides were up. Interesting. Well, in September, oh. I don't. I'm a, I get cold. Anyway, all right. So I'll, I have a, like a grab bag of weekly rad stuff I want to talk about. So I'm gonna let's let's go ahead and, and blast through this. So first things first. Uh, on the bottom right here, you'll see uh, we did iFly yesterday. Uh, you did. We did. So it's been. Was oh, that you? That is me. Huh. Hilarious. With uh, 
with this guy, Anthony, who was my instructor, I, I'm thankful. So we were gonna do this a year ago, a year and a half ago with my buddy for his birthday, but the complications, we couldn't do it. And then we were gonna do it this last February with my niece and she chickened out, which was great for me because at the time I was dealing with some bad shoulder stuff. And like the one thing they say is, if your shoulders are effed up, don't do this. And so we was like, Ugh. Oh, interesting. So, but I've been feeling better, so we, we went and we finally did it. I gotta say, it was awesome. Uh, your body kind of is, it is a, it is, the free float is cool. Our instructor was great, so he helped us, like there's some basic commands to help you get your body in the right position so you can do it. Thankfully, we the four of us were pretty decent at it. CEO Jen and two of my buddies. So we were able to actually like float and freestyle, and then they took us up to the top, which was really cool. I'll say this, it's a little expensive for the, length of experience you get but what it cost oh geez um it's like it breaks down to like 30 bucks a minute <laughs> it's like expensive oh good yeah. lord but you know with like the insurance and they got this big wind tunnel it's a professional jam right yeah. so like if you've ever like wanted to skydive but just can't get over the you know imminent death thing this is a pretty decent i think uh Approximate approximation of that experience for the most part. Um, as far as like, do I feel like I was flying? Uh, no, I, I really did feel more like just like a lot of wind blowing at me. I, I get more of a, f a flying sensation on like a wooden roller coaster when you jump off your seat and stuff. But mm -hmm. that sure. said, it was something really unique. If you're looking for something like a, a unique experience with your friends and you don't want to just go to Top Golf or go get a drink at the bar, you know, something different or like you're on a date or something. This is a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. All told, it was like an hour and a half in and out. We get a, you get a little class, you get to wear a cool suit and stuff. So it was, it was a cool experience. Uh, thumbs up. I had fun. Okay. It, didn't, it didn't break my shoulder. And like everybody. How many minutes did you do? Did you, you end up like paying like a hundred bucks to no, do that thing you, for three minutes? You, obviously there are like packages and you get a thing depending yeah. on how many people and there's this and there's that. So we got the class and, and, and then you can tip the guy. So, you know. But it was it was fun. I got to go in twice. So the first time I did like a minute where he kind of showed me and you get acclimated. The second time you go in, he lets you, spins you around a little bit and then you guys, he grabs you and you basically tandem fly up to the top. They like jack it up to the terminal velocity and you go, Phew. it's cool. Second, uh, I want to talk about this YouTube channel, Keith, that I found. So I, I in my feed just popped up a video that said, um, such and such a drummer, I have to back up. Hold on. I've often talked on this channel about I love to watch people dance because it's like magic to me because I'm not a dancer. So seeing people dance at a high level feels like magic because I can't physically empathize with it. So it must be magic. I have a different experience with drumming. When I was young, I have always had a really innate sense of rhythm and of actual kit drumming. I just feel it in my person. And I, my parents were, I, I, I studied guitar when I was very young, younger. My parents were not into the drum idea. It was not, uh, <laughs> and so what I would do when I became, when I was in a band and I was a teenager, I would go to Sam Ash all the time and they would, I would sit on the, either the electric kit or one of the drum kits and play and start to kind of teach myself. And I was uh, pretty good. Drumming, however, is something that is like the 10,000 hours of practice Mm -hmm. situation. It is not something you can, you cannot be a great drummer in your head. 
right? Um, and so I moved to New York and I just stopped. And I lived in New York for 20 I So if I was to sit down at a drum kit today, what I can accomplish in my head, it cannot translate to my physical limbs Oh anymore. my God, no. Um, so I am a, you know, a lot of people want to, wish they could go back in time and learn to play the piano and all those things. And I, and I all of that is very true. For me, my life's missed opportunity is that I am not a, I did not spend the time learning to play drums. It's, I think I'm much more a drummer than a guitar player. I'm just not a drummer, if that makes any sense to you. Well, I mean, as as you pointed out, if your parents aren't on board yep. and then you live in New York City, it's not a practical thing. Yeah. Because you because of the noise, because of the space. And but it, once you buy your house in New Jersey next yeah. to mine, you can get yeah. your kit. Conceptually, too, with drumming, the thing that takes years of practice is that you have to separate. You know, our we are physically designed basically to the right side of our body. We synchronize our physical movements, right? But when drumming, your feet operate completely autonomously from your hands yeah. and your hands operate at different rhythms. So I can hear all of that and understand it mathematically and conceptually, which is awesome, but I cannot physically accomplish it, which bugs me, Keith. Anyway. I think you could. I think you just need, like yeah. you said, I think you I need just need hours practice. on the yeah. kit. I could not. But it is, it's like left hand, right hand on the piano. Yeah. Except I think, I think in my opinion, probably harder. Drumming? Yes. I think drumming, in my opinion, is the most underrated musical attribute. Um, when I go to concerts, people watch the lead guitar player, the people watch the singer. I cannot watch I anything too. but the drummer. I just I find it magical. So that all being said, this thing got fed to me from the algorithm on YouTube that was such and such, I forget the guy's name, this jazz drummer. who He is this like young virtuoso jazz drummer. And they... The experiment was, it's this channel called Drumeo. You can find it on YouTube at Drumeo Official. And they have a, they've been around for years. You've probably maybe even heard of them. Uh, and they have a ton of different types of videos. This particular one I saw was they took this incredible genre drummer. He's a jazz drummer. They found a song he had never heard before, right? Mm -hmm. They took out the drum track and they just played him the musical stems of the song. Right? I think it was Mr. Brightside from The Killers. How have you never heard this song? Well, he doesn't listen to that type of music. He gets one pass at it. He gets to listen to it once, active listening, and then yep. has to just lay in his own version, right? And it completely changes the song. You think, oh, the drums are just holding the beat. No, the drums add an entire element to a song. So he completely changes the entire vibe of the song, but he absolutely slays it and creates a whole different song. And so my, it was like, and I went down a rabbit hole and I watched all of these incredible drummers playing new versions of songs you know and just slaying it. So then I went into the channel. There's other stuff. They do a whole master class with uh, Sugarfoot, who was Michael Jackson's drummer, and he played on Janet Jackson's stuff, and he's played with every act ever, just about how he works different bass pedals. Uh, then they have people who, like, uh, do rock versions of these jazz songs and vice versa. There's mm -hmm. a gajillion different types of content on this channel, but it's all drum focused. And the way it's mic'd, mixed, shot, you don't have to be a drummer to appreciate it. If you love music, if you wanna learn something, it just completely go outside your wheelhouse. This channel absolutely blew my mind. Now they have 3 million subscribers, so they don't need my- <laughs> The K&M bump? The bump, but damn. If you dig drumming or just like have any remote interest, spend a half an hour with this channel. 
if not for anything, than just watching Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat play all of Michael <laughs> Jackson's stuff live and be like, holy crap, what yeah, these guys can I, do. It's just, they're just, ki- these guys are f- killers. And you've got drummers who are just completely uh, physically in control of their bodies and just so specific. You've got guys who are just animals. And it's it's just crazy, and I love it. And it is my the thing that brought me the most joy this week is this drum channel on YouTube. Uh, I understand completely. I I because I I think you and I feel very similarly about this. That like I could never drum a drum to save my life. I have an I have an innate sense of pitch. I have an innate sense of sort of tonality and hearing songs. I cannot keep a straight beat to save my life. Oh, that see, is I'm not a different. in my wheelhouse. Like, I would feel comfortable if like the wheels fell off and the drummer did not show up and we have to play this gig. I could do it. I could sit behind that kit and I could, but you're going to get four on the floor, baby, but I could do it. But that's yeah, all. I, you're not I, getting I, fills. You're not getting, I can give you the, I can give you this, the static go. No, but I have always, always, always loved drumming and rhythm and that kind of stuff. And, and, and I, I hear it, I feel it, I can, just cannot replicate it. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, and I, I've talked, I'm sure I've talked about this on one of those, but I had I had um, a, a brother music soup teach me how drums work once. And just over the phone, like, it took like a half an hour so I could notate drums mm. uh, as I was coming up with demos. And then subsequently plug them into Pro Tools and have the drums play back. Anyway, once he taught me the basics of how it works for a half hour. I was like, now I am able to create what I hear mm-hmm. and and notate it and then throw it into Pro Tools and and be able to have real percussion. Because like back in the day, my I was literally like plunking out demos on my keyboard with the drums. Terrible, terrible. It's just, it's just not a skill that I have. But I hear them well, and now that I can I can I can create what I hear. Um, you're right. It changes everything. You're talking about how how the different drum patterns can change the entire feel of a song. I was thinking uh, as you were talking. So I'm working on a new musical, right? And I'm, I'm not. I can't tell you what it's about, but I'm working on a musical. And I Keith will um, tell you what it's about eventually. The tease point. has been going for months, but you, there's a whole there's a whole it, legal. It's probably thing gonna be like a year you. before yeah. I can tell you what it is. Uh, anyway, so uh, for the finale. I'm doing a reprise of the opening number, which Mike knows because he sang on the on the demos. And so, like, I need to make a finale version of a reprise here. And you talk about how the difference, the beat, can can change the whole thing. I went in, I cut it down, you know, and it's shorter. But I went back into the original arrangements of the finale, and I changed nothing but the drum pattern. Mm-hmm. And I took it from the dun da 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 And then you change the drum pattern, and then all of a sudden it's a finale. And you mm-hmm. can tell, okay, we're in a finale here because we're, you know, we're doing... You change the tempo of the drum. You change where you're putting your your snares. And all of a sudden it's a completely different song, even though nothing else has changed. And it's really, um, really exciting to be able to play in that water because you're right, you know, that... The drums determine the feel of the song more than anything else in the arrangement, in my opinion. Uh, Keith, this might actually, so drumming is also famous for, they have this software that they release, which is why their channel has so much unmonetized stuff, because they use all this music, obviously. But, you know, like, 
if you're a guitar player, your cup runneth over. If there's a song you want to learn, you can find the tabs for it. You can find the chords for it. You can find apps that'll play it for you, and you follow along. Right. Like, there's everything you need. Drummers didn't really have that, but this, Drumeo is the number one notated, like, 18 million pop songs all notated for drums. So it's, Oh, they notate it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, specifically. So actually, for you, if there's, like, a tune or a feel or a vibe you really love, you can probably find it on Drumeo and see how it's notated so that you can kind of replicate that if you're ever interested. Um, yeah, well, and uh, half of the fun is looking it up, but actually I I pulled something just like that recently because I'm like, I want to get like an authentic disco groove mm -hmm. and then I was able to find like, just, just give me the four bar groove notated and then be able to pull that in. I'll say just this lastly, and then I have one more thing I want to mention. Um, everybody loves to watch like crazy rock or like punk drummers going crazy or whatever I'm saying. Find an incredible jazz drummer or an incredible funk drummer. Watch them for a while, and then then your mind will be open to, oh, crap, I didn't know the human body could syncopate Oh, like my that. God. <clears throat> well, I, I'll, I'll say one last thing, because we both got to go. Uh, on, on your YouTube rabbit hole with drumming, uh, my, my, Barry, my, my, Barry, my buddy Jared Schoenig, who uh, we went to school with, in music school and he drummed for I Got Fired and Korea and that kind of stuff. And he's, he does, um, he's both a jazz drummer. I think he's got a couple of Grammys last year. Um, but on his, he also plays for a ton of Broadway pits and on his channel. And we'll, I'll see if Mike remembers to link to it. He has a side-by-side -side shot of him drumming. And then what was broadcast on ABC of a medley from he's, he was drumming Moulin Rouge at that point where he has to drum like 58 different styles. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like a, it's like a medley, boom, 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 boom. And you can watch him switch between styles all with his kit live um, as it's broadcasting. It's really, really cool. If you want to see yeah, that all musicians, these guys are generally asked to sight read or to just like play by feel more than anybody else. Right. Usually you get like the vibe of a song, like, Oh, here's the chart or here's like a, here it's in C go with it. These guys are just like, we're starting count us in. And you're like, all right, they figure it out. Awesome. Yeah. Last thing is just like a vibe thing. I'll, I'll mention. I'm actually interested in your input. So, I I think I've mentioned it on the. Uh, I have, I've suffered from depression. It's a thing I've dealt with my whole life. I love that I'm learning new tools and people that help me through it. But at the end of the day, uh, people who also go through these types of things will recognize it's very it's very much secular. And you just there are times your peaks and valleys, man. And there are some triggers that help you in and help you out. Diet, exercise, lots of different stuff. And sometimes it's it's freaking random. I, I don't know what to tell you. For me, the weather plays a huge part. And mm -hmm. coming into fall is usually a really good time for me uh, because it gets a little less hot and humid and like the season's changing and stuff. Anyway, I had this experience. I had been in kind of a, a funk. Uh, and I went for a jog the other day, a couple days ago. And I'm running, right? And one thing, you know, since moving to the suburbs that I've missed, I, have, I don't miss a ton about New York, if I'm being honest, but what I've missed is a little bit of the community I built over time. There was a, peri a great period of time in Astoria where Keith and I used to live. A ton of my friends lived there. There was always stuff to do. You'd always see people you knew. There was always chatting, interacting. There was like a community, a sense of community there. And then I moved to the suburbs where you're a bit more isolated. We drive more places. You don't see, I, you don't, I, I haven't really felt that as much. And I think back to other times in life when I felt that and growing up, especially around this time, and like football would start and like, what's one thing on Sunday? You'd get up, you'd smell the sauce mom was cooking, you'd go outside, you'd wait till like 
1230, you'd meet a bunch of friends outside and you'd go mailbox to mailbox playing pickup football. Like, and then we did that in a story. Like football, yeah, sure as, mu- as much as sports, some people think it's just about, like as an adult, it's like it's fantasy or it's gambling or it's this or that or I'm, I follow this team. You forget that, that a lot of that is based in just friendship and community and we played, that's what we did as kids. And I mean, Sundays was also like sitting down with my dad and at, opening the paper. Now he was gambling. He was looking at the spreads and he was, you know, for me, it was just hanging out with my dad for 20 minutes, circling helmets in the newspaper, like picking teams. Right. right. I did, and that was awesome. And then I'd go play with my friends and, and I, I, you, that, that was such a part of my life that you then forget about cause you grow up, but then it all came back to me. And here's my point. I was out for my jog and I was running through this neighborhood and there's a kid, probably 12. And he was like throwing a football with his mom or his sister perhaps. And I was listening, ironically, on my earpods, I was listening to Christina Chong's uh, EP, Twin Flames, now available on iTunes Music. Uh, and I, I couldn't even tell, it, it wasn't premeditated. I just was running by and I threw my hand up and I said, hit me. And without missing a beat, man, no stranger danger, no like, right. I gotta like check your, he just, this kid, because he'd been throwing little dinky dunks with his mom or sister or whatever. Right, right. And so he like didn't even hesitate. He relished launching a bomb, right? Perfect spiral for this 12-year-old. Great, great toss. I nail it. And then I throw it back. Keith, it was like th- so fast. The second, like his dad was or his brother, I'm pretty sure it was their mom and dad. I don't wanna, but it was I think it was his dad, must have seen him throw a toss, looks out the window, saw there was like another male human being, ran out of the back patio door. He's like, let's play it down. Swear to God. So <laughs> the girl came out, so it was like mom, daughter, son, dad, and me. I played steady QB for them. We did a down on each side. Didn't even get these guys' names, right? We just had like a little pickup game for f- five minutes. And then I went back on yep. my jog. I didn't let them see it, but as I finished my jog home, I just welled up mm. and just felt it It captured feelings of like growing up with my pals playing football, hanging out with dad, playing football in a story park. Just like it was mm. a Sunday. Everybody had their Eagles gear on. We didn't even have a game. We played on Thursday. It didn't matter, right? There was just there's right. something about community and sports in Philly, in places. I know you have a very similar kind of uh, relationship, I'm sure, um, and so anyway, it just was like, it was just a beautiful moment and I, I wanted to share it. So that's that. Yeah. The, the, the shared language of whatever sport your community is into. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get that. And I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. You're just like, yo, hit me. Cause it's, yeah. you know, uh, it was awesome. Cause you know, that kid wants to air one out. Yeah. And I had given that opportunity and, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, I know that times have changed and you got to be careful and it's not the same where kids can just ride their bikes anywhere and do it. If they don't have the freedom we had, the carefreeness, I know, but they get murdered like we did. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was a cool experience. Okay, folks. Anyway, that was an hour podcast when we I didn't expect it, but you know what? Some of the, sometimes those are my favorites. Uh, anyway, whatever. Uh, buttons, buttons. <laughs> we got a whole bunch of K&M content this week. So until next week when we do Geekly again, don't let anybody yuck your yum. Keep on doing the things you find fun and keep on geeking on. <laughs> <laughs>